At Gates, we are passionate about the Word of God. We hope the message you are about to listen to empowers you today. This morning, we're going to tap into, have this message, and next week, one more on righteousness. And um, we've been on this for a while. And man, I, I literally feel like I could teach this. I feel like I could stay on this for like another year. But God won't let me. I've got something else. And uh, so you got to do what he wants. Amen? But <clears throat> I want to I just review three or four verses that we've looked at in the last, I think, six or seven messages, however many this has been that we've been on this. Um, and I want to start with Romans chapter 4 and verse 17. For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking... But it's righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. So, I think you can, you can pretty clearly say that the kingdom of God is not about natural things. The kingdom of God is not about natural things. It's about you learning through the Spirit of God that you're the righteousness of God in Christ. How to live in peace and how to live in joy. Right? Because in the presence of God is the fullness of joy and peace. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Okay? So the kingdom of God, God's way of thinking and operating, God's kingdom, His way of operating in the earth, is not about the natural things. It's you first learning who you are in Him. Matthew 6.33 confirms this. I'm going to read this in two translations. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, all these things shall be added to you. The Amplified says it this way, but seek, aim at, and strive after, first of all, His kingdom and His righteousness, His way of doing and being right. His kingdom and righteousness are defined as His way of doing and being right. Seek after this. And then all these natural things will be taken care of. I, I, I mean, when you stop and think about this today, I'm just saying to you, we've been lied to big time. You know, in, in, in my family growing up, you know, you worked and you worked hard. All my growing up, that I can remember, my dad worked six and a half days a week because that's what you do. And you know, it's, it's said, and people quote it as a Bible verse, if you don't work, you don't eat. But it doesn't really say that because it's not talking about working to produce in your life what, what it really talks about is, if you're lazy and you don't work, you don't eat. Because too many people, and I know many, many people, and I was one of them at one time, that I'm going to produce my righteousness and my justification for how hard I work. That doesn't please God. I mean, I mean, I mean that, 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 that's not the kingdom of God. He wants us building his, his kingdom. He wants us to think like Him and operate like Him in the earth, and that's not it. 
well, pastor told us we didn't have to work. I didn't say that. I just said that's not first and foremost. If you're working trying to create something in your life, if you're trying to, through good works, trying to create things and manifest things in your life, and, and, and you're not tending to the things that I'm talking about in building the kingdom of God inside of you, then you're going to beat yourself up and wear yourself out. And many people go to the grave prematurely because of doing that, not building the kingdom first within them. The Bible says the kingdom of God is within us. People looking for the kingdom out here know it's inside of me. But I've got to build it. I've got to learn to trust it. I've got to learn to turn to it instead of my ways of thinking. 2 Corinthians 5 and 21. I'm going to read this in two, ver- two translations also. And he made him who knew no sin, he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. I love this in the, in the New Living Translation. For God made Christ, God made Christ. God the Father made Jesus Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God. So what Jesus did, His works, which were the works of, and the plan of the Father, caused me to be right. And I'm telling you today, there's nothing else in life that you can do to be right except receive Him. You accept Jesus as your Savior? then you're right with God. We've talked about this throughout this series. Talked about, gave you many, many different examples of how difficult that is for most people to think that they're right with God and that they can actually live in that righteousness no matter what they have done because, because we should pay for our mistakes. No, He paid for my mistakes. Yeah, but pastor, if you teach that kind of stuff, people just, they'll see it as a license just to do whatever they want to do. You don't need a license. You're doing it right now. You're doing whatever you want to do right now. I don't care what it is, you're doing it. And if you're not proud of it, you're hiding it. You're secretly doing it. But you're doing it, and you will do it. But when you find out who you are in Him and what He's done for you and you're right with Him and you don't have to do anything else to be right, what I found out is I want to do right. When I found out what He did for me, man, I want to do right. And you know what? It's so easy to admit where you're wrong. Why would I want to hold on to wrong? Why would I want to hide that stuff? Oh, man, I used to hide all kinds of things. Trying to be right trying to appear like I was right. Forget that mess. That'll never hold up. I'm telling you, I'm right because of what He did. Can you say amen? I'm right because of Him and nothing else. And that's what you and I have to learn how to receive. Jesus was made so that I could be made. He he, he didn't just take my sin on. He was made. Sin with my sin. 
your sin. So I could be made right. So no matter what you do today that's wrong, he already made you right before you did it. Wow. So, Lord, you don't hold that against me? No, people do, but I don't. And that's just human nature. You, you want to make sure people get their comeuppance. You want to make sure we kind of help God out. So he said, you know, he's shown me that so many times. People don't forgive, but I do. And, and, and this is the way God talks to me about it. Okay, Bert, you know, the way you just acted, the way you said what you said, I don't like that. That's not good for you. Things will get worse for you if you keep doing that and keep acting that way and keep, you know, keep allowing those kind of things to, to stay and remain in your life. But I'm telling you today that when he can tell me as a father that he doesn't like what I did and the way that I did that, when I see him as a father, not as a god and a guru with a big stick and a beat me over the head, but when I see him as a father, wow. See, because my earthly father didn't have a father that was present. He was there, but he wasn't present. He had a lot of issues my grandfather did. He had a lot of mental issues. And um, so he didn't have anybody raising him. So my earthly father worked six and a half days a week and really, you know, he was a golf professional and so I played golf because, so I could be around him. But he didn't really have the ability to train me and, and show me what a real father knew how to give. I mean, he did the best he could. I, I love, he's 88 years old today. I love him. And, and we've had a great relationship and all that kind of thing. But he didn't know, he didn't teach me what a father was. And what a father does is teaches a son how to be a son and become a man. And because I, I miss that, which so many men do, they miss that, I had to learn it from other men, but I had to get it from my Heavenly Father. I had to learn that He was my daddy. He was my father. He, he, he wanted the best for me. And today, after 45 years of salvation and developing a relationship with Him, He can talk to me and tell me what He likes and what He doesn't like. And I, I want to do what He wants me to do. I can say it. I'm not saying I do it perfectly, but I want to do it perfect. I don't ever want to do anything that displeases Him. Not like, like it's a law because I love Him so much. Because He didn't hold anything against me. He doesn't see me through any mistake that I've ever made. Wow. Sometimes you think God missed it. <laughs> How could He love us so much? I mean... Through different scriptures that you put together, you find out that God loves me as much as He loves Jesus. He loves you as much as He loves Jesus. He loves us as much as He loves Himself. What? It's absolutely true. And you have to come to the place through a relationship with Him where you can receive that. Because if you don't receive it, if you don't receive it, then you're not able to apply the righteousness in your own life day to day. I like this definition that I finally got to. 
where righteousness is concerned, and I defined it this way. Righteousness is doing what's right or being right, but being innocent. A righteous heart is a heart that is free of guilt, sin, and shame to the point that it's never, been, it's never remembered. And you know what? If you've done wrong to other people, God will lead you by His Spirit at the, at the time, at the right timing, with some people, not everybody. It has, to be, it has to be in your relationship you learn how to go to people and ask them to forgive you, even if in the back of your mind you feel like you did no wrong. But God will lead you that way at times. And the people you know you did wrong, He'll lead you to them. Maybe send them a letter. Maybe just pray for them. But He'll show you how to to make recompense with mistakes that you've made, but you don't have to write him a letter. He's already forgiven you. So when you repent for something you've done wrong, you're repenting for yourself, not for him. He knows what you did, but he's already forgiven you, so he doesn't even consider it. But he knows he put it in the book to repent because we need to do it. So that we become aware of the fact of certain things that he doesn't like so we can live our life to please him. I want to please him more than anybody else. Today I can say that honestly. I want to please him. God wants you and I to have that attitude and that mentality that we live our lives to please him. Can you say amen to that? I want to read this passage to you today. I've got two passages I'm going to read to you, and then, and, and I'm just going to kind of dissect these passages as I, as I read. And I'm going, to, I'm going to read this out of the New Living Translation in Romans chapter 10. I'm going to start with verse 1 in Romans 10. He said, um, Dear brothers and sisters, the longing of my heart, this is Paul here to the church at Rome. He said, The longing of my heart and my prayer to God is for the people of Israel to be saved. I I know what enthusiasm that they have for God, but it's misdirected enthusiasm or zeal, he says here. For they don't understand God's way of making people right with Himself. I'm going to read that again. For they don't understand God's way of making people right with Himself. They don't understand God's way of making people right with Himself. they got a zeal. Today in the church world, there's a lot of people with zeal. But do they know how to become right with God? Refusing to accept God's way... They cling to their own way of getting right with God by trying to, what? Keep the law. For Christ has already accomplished the purpose for which the law was given. Now, that, that, that's, a, that's an interesting statement. The purpose for which the law was given. Has God ever given anything that's not good? No. So the law is good. Has God ever given or done anything that wasn't good? 
The law is good because God made the law. What was the law given for? The law of Moses was given because of the sins of the people. They did the best that they could, and every year there were sacrifices that were made so that the people could be forgiven. What did Jesus do? Some people say, well, Jesus did away with the law. No, 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 he didn't do away with it. He fulfilled it. I said he fulfilled it. What did we just read right there? There's several other passages that talk about it, but right here it says, for Christ has already accomplished the purpose for which the law was given. The law was given at that time and place for the forgiveness of the people, for their sins, because of their sins. They did the best they could, and thank God for the blood sacrifices every year, for the atonement for their sins. But Jesus fulfilled what the law could not do because it was weak in the flesh. And what he did, what the Father did, was send his son Jesus to liberate all of mankind. And now we're not under the law, okay? But here's the thing. There's over 600 commandments under the law. One of them is, thou shalt not murder. Well, the law is done away with. Oh, so we can murder. No? No? But listen to me. Listen to me. Because of what Jesus did, if you murder, you were forgiven before you murdered. But in the United States of America, uh, in the state of Texas, You're going to jail, and if the court proves you, finds you guilty, you're guilty. And if the judge chooses to sentence you to death, then you die. Well, I thought we're not under the law. We're not. He fulfilled the law, but still... The law was given so that people could know what was right. Not a good thing to murder people. Not a good thing to chase after your neighbor's wife. It's not a good thing to do this, that, or the other, whatever. All, the different, all, all of the different commandments or the commands under the law, it's not good to do those. They're not good for you, and it's going to hurt you. So we still keep the understanding of the law, but we're not under the law. Did you hear what I said? If you murder somebody, you were forgiven before you murdered them. And if you repent and you go to God about it because you're already forgiven, then you can live in heaven and have murdered somebody on the earth. I'm trying to go really extreme here for you to see how much He's forgiven you. Well, Pastor, I just don't know whether I believe that or not. You need to learn to believe it. You need to understand it. So does that give me the freedom to go and 
murder somebody? Yeah, if you want. I don't know about you, but I, 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 don't, I don't think I'd like to go to the electric chair. I don't think I'd like, you know, if I lived in another country for them to hang me out in the middle of the, of the square of, the, uh, of one of the towns. I don't think I would like to live my life like that. And it's not just that. It's, it's like, why would I want to hurt someone else that was created in the image of God? I wouldn't. Why? Because I know Him. And the more you know Him, you won't find yourself doing those things. But that doesn't mean that I don't live under the dictates of things that are right in the Scripture. That's why when I can see that, thou shalt not murder was part of, of under the law. And if somebody murdered somebody, they were done. They're toast. On this side of the cross, if somebody murders somebody, they're going to pay for, their, for the things that they've done, but they were forgiven before they did it. We see here people in those days and people today were trying to work out their righteousness within themselves. They had an idea of how to do it, and it was not happening. Paul said, it's not happening. He said, for Moses writes that the law's way of making a person right with God requires obedience to all its commandments. But faith's way of getting right with God says, don't say in your heart who will go up to heaven to bring Christ down to the earth. Why does it not say that? He already did it. Correct? And don't say who will go down to the place of death to bring Christ back up from the dead. Why? Because he already did that, right? So now, after what he did, see, he said, Moses, um, for Moses writes that the law's way of making a person right with God requires obedience to all the commandments. And if you don't, then you're not right with God. Today, it's not about how we keep and do everything exactly right. I'm right with God whether I do anything right or not. Now, I'm free to do everything right. Because Jesus is not, every time you make a mistake, Jesus is not going back to the cross. He's not coming back down from heaven. He's not coming back up from the dead. He already did all that. Now, here's the way to be right. Here's the way to establish righteousness. It's, he said, in fact... It says, the message is very close at hand. It's on your lips, and it's in your heart. And that message is the very message about faith that we preach. I'm going to go back and read that again. In fact, it says, the message is very close at hand. It's on your lips, and it's in your heart. And that message is the very message about faith that we preach. If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God. It's by believing in your heart that you are made right with God and it is by openly declaring your faith that you're saved. When you believe as a result 
of hearing the word preached, of developing a relationship with God through the word being in your mouth and getting down in your heart, and you truly believe, then you're right with God. A person, I know many people that have made confessions to accept Jesus out of pressure because somebody else wanted them to do it. They didn't really believe it. Well, you're not saved. Confession won't save you. Confession as a result of believing is what saves you. And when you're born again, then you're born again. Many, many people have gotten born again and had no teaching on top of that. It's kind of like a baby being born, and then you, call, you throw that baby out there and let it fend, on his, fend for itself, be on its own. Child's not going to make it. It needs help. When people get born again, they need help. They need the Word of God. They need to know who they are, and they need to understand it so that they can build a belief system so that this confession as a result of believing isn't a one-time experience, it's an everyday experience. When I believe that fear has no right to penetrate my heart, and I declare it out of my mouth, no, 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 God hasn't given me fear. He's given me power, love, and a sound and a well-balanced mind. I'm confessing something, I'm making declaration of something because I believe it in my heart, but how did I get there? Through a daily routine and a development of renewing my mind with what God says is true so that my past doesn't dictate my future. My future is dictated by what I'm developing today on. That's the righteousness that Paul was trying to get the Jews in Rome to understand. He said, no, 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 they've got a zeal. They're, 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 they're trying to make it happen. They're trying to do all their commandments. They're trying to do everything right. But no, 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 accepting Jesus is the way that it begins, and then accepting his way of thinking and doing and operating every day is what produces that righteousness day to day. I don't want to just be right. I want to live right. And I want to live in the fruit of righteousness. How about you? I want, I want all of it. I want the whole package. And when I learned to admit, I got some stinking thinking, some wrong thinking where righteousness is concerned, and I purpose day to day to get rid of that, you're not going to get rid of it by just saying, okay, I'm going to get rid of it. Well, no, you got to get rid of it by replacing the wrong thinking with the right thinking. And the only thing that will replace wrong thinking is words. If you talk negative all the time and you talk about how afraid you are of everything and you talk about how bad everything is all the time, then things are bad and you're afraid of everything. But the more you declare what God says, there's a verse of Scripture that's become this year, as I've read Proverbs, I know this verse from, from many years, but it's become something supernatural to me. I mean, supernatural, this verse of Scripture found in, in Isaiah. And it says, fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you, yes, I will help you, and I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Wow. I, um, I'll give you this 
definition. But I've, as I have made this declaration day to day, I, I defined the word um, dismay. And so I read this verse of scripture like this. And, and God is saying this to me, Bert, fear not, I'm with you. Thank you, Lord. He said, be not dismayed, for I am your God. And, and, I de- and the definition for dismayed in the Webster's is this. So I say it like this. Be not upset, worried, or agitated because of some unwelcome situation or occurrence. I am your God. I'm going to read it again. Be not upset, worried, or agitated because of some unwelcome situation or occurrence, for I am your God. (laughs) I don't know about you, but... uh, uh, upset, worried, or agitated with unwelcome situations and occurrences, they, those kind of happen every day. Potentially, maybe not every day, but I mean, potentially, they can be there, see? Because you're not held accountable for how much stuff comes at you. It's what you do with what comes at you. So he said, I'm your God, Bert. I I am your God. Don't fear. I'm with you. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Okay? So when these agitations, these fear and the potential to worry comes, don't give place to it. I'm your God. I have the answer. You're right with me. And if you're right with me and you're connected to me and you know that, nothing can hurt you or harm you. Not anything. Someone say amen to that. So let me finish this, and then I'll finish the other one. Um, For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God, and it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. As the scripture tells us, anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. Jew or Gentile are the same in his respect. They have the same Lord who gives generously to all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And what that's defined as in, in, in what we're talking about in this series is whoever calls on the name of the Lord is right. You're righteous. No matter what you've done, you're righteous. And when you call on the name of the Lord day to day, there's an initial experience of accepting Jesus as your Savior. But then the Bible says there's a soul salvation that goes on every single day. That's the renewing of the mind. Your mind being renewed with old way, from old ways of thinking into new ways of thinking. That's the only thing that can change the way you think about yourself. Nothing else. Because I, I, I've already looked everywhere else and there's nothing else that works. It doesn't work. 
So in Romans chapter 4, and starting with verse 18, I'm going to read this in the message, and I want to just kind of bring this to a conclusion today. Romans chapter 4, starting with verse 18. When everything was hopeless, Abraham believed anyway, deciding to live not on the basis of what he saw he couldn't do, but but on what God said he would do. Gosh, I like that wording. Man, i got to read that again. When everything was hopeless... 25 years had gone by. 24 years had gone by. God had called him the father of nations. It ain't happening. He tried to help God out, got a baby from another woman. No, didn't work. Lied and cheated and did several things, some things in his personality that that came to the surface during some tough times. See, when stuff like that comes to the surface during tough times, you find out what you need to work on. And, you know, God's mercy and grace were with Abraham. took him 24 years. But in the New Testament, you don't hear anything about that. This is what you hear about Abraham. He didn't, like, you, you, if somebody just read this passage of Scripture, you'd think, well, man, Abraham, he had it easy. He, did, he, just, he just believed God and just did it. No, 24 years later. Deciding to live not on the basis of what he saw he couldn't do, but on what God said he would do. In the natural, it looked like he's 100 years old, Sarah's about 90, probably ain't going to have a baby. Probably? Ain't no way, as you'd say in Texas. And so he was made father of a multitude of people, 25 years earlier, God himself said to him, you're going to have a big family, Abraham. Abraham didn't focus on his own impotence and say, it's hopeless. This hundred-year-old body could never father a child, nor did he survey Sarah's decades of infertility and give up. He didn't tiptoe around God's promise asking cautiously skeptical questions. We're talking about after 24 years. He did after a few years, but not after 24 years. And see, the way God treated him is he, it was like he didn't do the rest of that. Because now, as Paul's reading this, he's reading this through the blood of Jesus. So it's like he never made mistakes. See, if we ever get a hold of that, the mistakes you made, God doesn't even consider those mistakes. And you've got to come to a place where you don't either. You take responsibility for them. Anything that he shows you to do that you have to take care of, but you've got to press on, not from your mistakes, overcome your mistakes, and live in the newness that God has for you so you're fulfilling everything God intended for you to fulfill, like he did with Abraham. He didn't tiptoe around God's God's promise asking uh, cautiously skeptical questions. He plunged into the promise. He 
plunged. Hmm? He plunged. Uh, it's a wonderful life. Anybody remember the little old man when the pool opened up? Anybody ever watched It's a Wonderful Life? Huh? Three of us? Um, so the little old man, he put his hands together like this. He's trying to get everybody to get out of the pool, and then he just goes, he just plunged. Anyway, sorry. guess nobody's getting that. Anyway, he plunged into the promise, and that's what I feel like. I feel like that's what God has shown me for a long time now. Just plunge in. Just go. Just do it. Just expect it. It doesn't matter what it looks like. I don't care what it, that, it what, don't, don't consider the things that haven't happened. Don't consider what you think can't happen. Don't consider any of that. Just what God's told you to do. He plunged into the promise, came up strong, ready for God, sure that God would make good on what he said. (laughs) Now, what I'm telling you is this. It took him 24 years because he had to come to the place where he believed that God would do what God said. And I'll just tell you this for you. Not only do you have to believe what God said he will do, that he'll do it, but you've got to be able to know what God said to you. You've got to know what God has said for you for your life. Where does that come from? From the Word. That comes from the Word. In the last 10 years or so of my born-again life, my destiny has been fulfilled internally. I know what I'm called to do. I know it. You can't talk me out of it. You don't think, you don't like it. You don't agree. I don't care. I know what I'm called to do. But it took a lot of years to get that down inside of me. I, I, knew, I knew kind of this, but there'd be times where I might get a little skeptical. I might try to talk myself out of it. I might this or that. But it's because of the daily routine and the word that it's established things on the inside of me that I can't be, n- nobody's going to talk me out of it. Not today. Abraham had to get to the place says he plunged into the promise and came up strong, ready for God, sure that God would make good on what he had said. That's why it is said Abraham was declared fit before God by trusting God to make him right. And that's what you have to do today. You have to trust that God has made you right. Say it. I'm right. Say it again. I'm right with God. That's what you have to believe. You're right with God no matter what you've done. I, and and, and I'm, I'm just backing up from that. i just saying a couple things. I'm finishing these next two verses and, and we're done. But the way you view it and maybe other people's opinions of you are two totally different issues. Because your relationship with God is not connected to 14 other people. 
Your relationship as God is between you and him. You and him, and that is it. And when you're developing that and you become convinced, then you become a world changer, a difference maker. You you become one that loves people in spite of what they do because of the way God loves you in spite of what you did. That's where you change the world. Not mad at people for what they've done. Oh, man, I was mad at everybody for years. Even after I was born again, I was mad at everybody. Mad at all my family. Mad, I mean, just mad. Didn't want to be around them. Didn't want to give them time of day. Nothing. But God showed me. You can stay mad, and you can stay poor and sick and disgusted and, you know, blaming everybody and be a victim of everything that goes on in life, or you can learn and receive from me. And when you receive from me and you know you're right with me, then it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks or says. I mean, you know, people can say things and it kind of cuts and it hurts a little, but not when, you're, not when you're spending your day in your daily routine and the Word is showing you, giving you the answers for everything that you're up against. No, not then. Not then. Because, see, even when someone does something, I mean, I'm, I mean, I'm telling you, every day there can be thoughts or whatever that come and, and the enemy's saying, yeah, but, you know, this person thinks this or whatever. You know, okay, all right. Yeah, I'm sure they do. You're right. They, they, they probably think that. But I'm not giving in to that. And God's greater than that. And the thing about God is, and the thing about being baptized in the Holy Ghost with the ability to pray in other tongues is that God will show you the truth about things that the enemy's trying to tell you is, is truth, but what he's saying is a lie, and what God shows you is the real truth. I, I just, just a case in point, my wife said something to me the other day. Wasn't, she wasn't talking bad about anybody. She just made this comment to me about somebody. And when she made the comment, I felt worry come to my head, to, thoughts come to my head. I was here at the church, and I was getting in my car, and I was leaving, and I, and I, I was by myself, and I drove, and I just, and, and, the Lord, and, and, was, and this is the way God talks to me. He said, what are you going to do about that thought? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Thank God for him. He always reminds me. I began to pray in other tongues. By the time I got to the football stadium, he gave me the answer. I never thought another thing about it. Not another thing. And there were, there were times in my life, a thought like that, I could spend two days on it. You know what that's like. You roll it over. You think about it. I mean, all of a sudden, in two days, it's like... The person that was mentioned, they're a terrorist. You know what I'm saying? Because you blow it totally out of proportion because you got an enemy that's working overtime to convince you that those lies are truth. And they're not. And that's how we get set free when we know who we are and we're right with him no matter what. Can you say amen? So I end with these two verses. That's, well... That's why it is said, Abraham was declared fit before God by trusting God to set him right. But notice, but it's not just Abraham. It's also who? 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 Say me. Me. Yeah, it says us, but it's me. Right? It's got to be me. Not just Abraham was made right. I'm right. Man, I'm right. And Father Abraham, thank God for what he did, but I'm following in his footsteps, 
and I'm following even farther, I'm following in the footsteps of Jesus. The same thing gets said about us when we embrace and believe the one who brought Jesus to life when the conditions were equally hopeless. Ever been hopeless? Ever been hopeless after you were saved? Don't answer, don't answer. Ever been hopeless after you're saved? If you say no, you're lying. So it's not just the state we're in before we got saved. We can live a hope-filled life every single day by casting hopelessness down. Because I know I'm right. Oh, you felt hopeless after you're saved. Or you're not living. Oh, man, that's the, one of the greatest tools the enemy uses against you is to feel hopeless. There's no, why should I keep going? Why should I still do That's why there's so many suicides today. Hope only comes from him. And hope for you only comes when you know you're right with him. And then the last piece. Well, let me read that again. The same thing gets said about us when we embrace and believe the one who brought Jesus to life when the conditions were equally hopeless. The sacrificed Jesus made us fit for God set us right with God. I am fit, and I'm right. <laughs> so, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm laughing because that there's a peace and a joy that goes with knowing that you're right. I'm not going to ask you this question. I'm going to tell you you feel this way, okay? There's not a day that goes by that there's not something that creeps up. It may be consciously or unconsciously that makes you feel like you're not good enough. Stuff, happen, stuff like that happens all the time. Try and convince you that you're not good enough. You're, 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 you, you deserve this, that, or the other. No, you don't deserve anything. You deserve... You deserve, yeah, yeah, in the natural, we deserve hell. But when you look at our life through the blood of Jesus, we deserve the best of heaven. We deserve the riches of heaven. We deserve the glory of heaven because of what Jesus did. It's not because of what I did, it's what he did, and then I get to embrace it and walk in it and plunge into it. Amen? It's a life that's before us, folks. This righteousness is real. I really encourage you to go back and go to the, you can go to our church app. It doesn't cost you a thing. You can listen to these messages over and over again. I, I encourage you to listen to them. And just meditate on the scriptures that God has given me in this series to empower you to live a righteous life, to live that, that righteous life, not under the law, not, not living from your past mistakes, but living in the fresh newness of life that God created you to live in and fulfill the destiny that he had purposed for you before the foundation of the world. Amen. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed it, we invite you to share it with someone in your life.
We would love for you to connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. You can also download our app and stay connected to Gates and access to the Word of God anytime you need it. We are believing that the seed of today's word is going deep in your heart and that you always remember God is more than enough in every situation of your life.